it's a real, real pleasure to, to be here tonight and, um, and to be able to go ahead with this meeting in, in the context of all that is happening, you know, in our world and in our, in, in, and in, in our time of space. Um, and I'm really, really trusting that the Lord will give us a really great time in His presence Uh, As I was praying and thinking about this series of meetings, I felt the Lord continually draw my heart back uh, to uh, the children of Israel. And if we, if you, if you, I I will, and in the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 11, as the Lord began to prepare his people to come into the promised land, and there was a sense that they had been waiting on the Lord trusting God for the fulfillment of promises that God had promised his people. And, and two very different reasons, as we all know, they've been going through all of this. Uh, if you can please bring that passage up. Thank you. Yeah. You know, and, and, and they got to a point where in, in God's calendar and in God's program, he felt it was time for something significant to happen. And God initiated at that point that, yes, I know you've been crying, I know you've been walking, and I know you've gone round this mountain and you've been in the wilderness for so long. But in this point in time, Moses was dead, Joshua was ready, and God said, yes, this is the time. And he says to them, saying to Joshua, he says, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. You know, you can imagine after almost waiting 40 years, and the Lord says, what you couldn't achieve in 40 years, in three days' time, you're going to see the manifestation of that. I can imagine how people must have felt, and the kind of, you know, try and imagine what will have been going through the camp to say, you know, you mean after we left Egypt, after all of that going back and forth and all of that, you mean we're actually going to get into Jordan now? And then in three, chapter 3, verse 5, uh, Joshua goes up to them and he says, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And to consecrate is to set yourself apart for a purpose. And as I thought about this weekend together, I felt the Lord really challenging my heart that this is a holy convocation, a time to separate ourselves, consecrate ourselves, set ourselves apart because we are focusing in on the purposes of God and we were trusting that there is something in the heart of God, there is a prophetic promise that God has spoken over our lives as individuals and together as a community of his people, that God is initiating and he wants to do something about it in his own power and in his own miraculous intervention. And it doesn't matter that we've walked around some of these things for 40 years because in God's calendar and in the season and in his wisdom, it's decided this is the time for that impossible situation to become a possibility. And I really want to encourage us as we start that there are prophetic promises over each one of our lives. 
There are prophetic promises that are clear in scriptures, which are part of the inheritance of every child of God. Because the Bible says, in Christ Jesus, the work is done. Once and for all, the sacrifice has been done, and the gates have been opened, and we have access into his throne, and everything that pertains unto life and unto godliness is available for us as his children. And we walk in the fullness of that. We, 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 the Holy Spirit is at work within us, but that work is completed. It is done. There is a fulfillment in that inheritance. It says, we are now being grafted into his kingdom and every one of us have become children of the living God. And we've got access to the throne of God. But we know that there is a continuous outworking out of the fullness of all of what he's doing. And the Bible says Christ is building us up to come to that place of maturity in him where we can lay hold and experience all of the promises of God, which are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So there is a sure promises of God for us. But even in that, there are also specific promises of God with regards to our day-to-day living, which God wants to bring us into. And in some of that, there are times and there are seasons in God's working and in God's purpose that it says, yes, the season is finished. Now a new season is about to start and I want to do something. And this new season is another fulfillment of my prophetic promises for your life. Because sometimes he unfolds that from one level to a greater level and from one level. And he takes us almost in that step by step to bring us into the fulfillment of all he has for us. And I sense in my spirit that this weekend is another one of those moments where there is an acknowledgement in, in the spirit that we've come to at such a point, but we need to move on to something else. But in order for us to be able, as the children of Israel, to come away from that desert place and move on to Jordan, God wanted to do certain things. And one of the things he said to them is, you need to consecrate yourself. You need to set your heart right. There needs to be a preparation of your heart that prepares you for what I want to do and that brings you into the promises of what I have for you. And what I trust the Lord wants to do over these three days is to speak to us specifically in the context of where we are right now as individuals and as a community of God's people in this city and in this region. And God wants to shine his light to address some of the specific prophetic promises of God that we've been holding on to and looking forward to and pressing in. And he's saying, the consecration of your heart and the preparation of your heart, this is what it looks like in order to enable the activation of that promises to step onto our Jordan so the waters pathway and begin to come into the land. Now, let's be clear, when they came into the land, it didn't mean they conquered the land immediately. That was the beginning of that phase of conquering the land. So, I'm not saying that in this weekend, everything will be sorted. But I really believe that in these three days, God can bring us to a place where there is an activation of what God wants to do, so that you and I come into that new season, and then we can allow the Lord to continue to do what He wants to do, as we conquer more grounds and come into the fullness of those promises. So as a background, that is what I believe God wants to do with us this weekend. And my prayer and my heart has been, this is not going to be another weekend of just 
teaching, and it's, it's, it's really encouraging to hear some of the songs the band were bringing. It's about experiencing. It's about an impact. It's about a reality of what God wants to do. There are times and seasons in God's work and in his interaction with his people that he does a work of grace and a, and a, and a significant work in the moment that sets off and initiates something. And you can always look back and say, yes, in that moment, yes and this. Just as the apostles, as they gathered and the Holy Spirit descended upon them, they can look back and say, yes, in that moment the church was born. As the Spirit came upon us, the weaklings became strong. The weak became strengthened. You know, the shy became bold. The fearful became courageous. And the ones whose lips were, were trembling and fearful and hiding away stood out in the open and declared with boldness the gospel of Jesus and began to see a great awakening and a great restoration and a great salvation and almost like the fulfillment of everything they'd been waiting on. All of this training, all of this time. But there was something of a significant moment in their impact with the Spirit of God that activated and brought them into that place. And I'm trusting that for each one of us and for the community of God's people, that is what this weekend we represent for each one of us. So in doing that, as I was waiting on the Lord and praying, I, and I was saying, God, what is going to be, you know, the theme? What are we going to be looking at? We've got three days, you know, and all kind of interesting things were coming. But I felt the Lord drawing me back again to where we started last year. And it says we need to still stay there because there are still things God wants to reveal to us. There are still things God wants to challenge us about. There are still issues that God wants to address in our lives that are still quite relevant. So if you've got your Bibles with me, I want us to go back to Luke chapter 15. And it's the story of the father and his two sons. And we're going to continue in that story. And if you're like me, that was a struggle because I'm thinking, Lord, you know, We've done that. We need to move on to something else and, you know, and look at something else. But the more I looked at that, the more I just felt the Lord say, you know, actually there are things I want to do now. Uh, and it's just about submitting to it. So to, to, to start off, we're going to read that passage. And I'm going to read from Luke chapter 15, 11, and I'll read it to the end just to sort of remind us and set the scene again. And Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons, but we had to sell Sorry, that's gone. Yeah, okay. <laughs> there was a man who had two sons, and then verse 11 says, oh, okay, I see what's happened there. Okay, verse 12. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Moving on. Can we go on? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Can we just skip? Yeah. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that old country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pots that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, 
it said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And yet I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. It was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he had music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. I never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened cow for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Amen. Many of us are very familiar with this passage of scriptures. And to set the scene again and just to remind us, especially in the context of the time in which Jesus was telling this parable, the sons were quite an important phrase here. Because in that culture and in that context, the inheritance came to the sons. So when a father was going to deal with his inheritance, they're going to pass them on to the sons. And especially in our context, and when we, and just to kind of say that, so that when we talk about sons and we talk about inheritance in this, we're not referring to male children here. We're not using it in the context of a male and a female sex, if you see what I mean. We're using it in the context of the one who gets that inheritance. So it's not like uh, it's a male thing and the women are excluded. So even though we use sons, the emphasis here is sonship in the context of who gets the inheritance and who comes to be able to come into all that the father has prepared. So it's not like the father discountenances female children and has no concerns about them. Each one of us are very, very precious in the sight of our father. So sonship in this context refers to both men and women. So you might find me using son again, but just to sort of to kind of try myself together so that I don't get mixed up about. But that's so it's in the context of the inheritance. And Jesus was sharing about the significance of this father who had two sons and who then had to, because of the demand of the youngest son, to give his inheritance and then how all of that played out and how the older brother interacted with it and all of that. And over the next days, we will spend a bit more time today looking at that younger son 
And what is it about the younger son that God wants us to focus on? And then I'm hopeful tomorrow we'll be able to spend a bit more time and look at the older son. And then hopefully on Saturday, we'll focus in on the father to kind of try and just build things up and, and hopefully get to that point. So that's roughly sort of the schedule of what we're going to try and do. But as we look at the story, and as we consider the younger son, if you remember from last year, there's so many things we talked about. You know, when we talked about the inheritance, when we talked about what does it mean to be the younger son, how does that relate to each one of us? Uh, and, and do we relate to the younger son? Do we relate to the older son? Do we relate to the father? And sometimes in our lives, and depending on where we are in our experiences, sometimes we can see the younger son in us. Sometimes we can see the older son. And sometimes we can see ourselves actually with the grace of God operating in the fatherly role and seeing all of that. And so, you know, those things can move and, and they can dispel. But one of the things I want us to focus in on tonight, because as I was praying about this meeting, I felt the Lord drawing me back again to that passage but something specifically about that passage. When this younger son decided and went to his father and says, I want my inheritance, and I don't want to go into all of those decisions because we know so many of these things, that was quite a drastic thing to do, even in the context of that culture, to say, I want my inheritance when his father was still alive. So he was basically saying, I reject your authority and whatever you're doing, and I want to do my own thing. And when he took that inheritance and cashed it out and went far away, you can imagine if the father had land, try and imagine you had a big land, and you decided this is going to go to the older son, that's going to go to the younger son. And the son says, no, I want my own. And the father says, okay, that's it. But at least the father is still there. He's still kind of seeing the land. For this son to have cashed in the land, it's almost like the equivalent of selling that land off to somebody else, getting the cash, and off it goes. Which means every day the father is seeing the land he used to own Owned by somebody else. So it's not, so, so the, the context of, it's not just a shame that he's eating in, in, behind the scenes in their house that, uh, well, the, the father has had this fallout with his son and nobody really knows because on outside it kind of looks okay. No, actually everybody knows what has happened there because everybody now knows the father is no longer farming that land. So it's a constant source of shame to the father and everybody's like, you know, you know, and every time he comes out, almost every day as he walks on the other bit of the land, the reality of what that younger son has done is stuck and right there before him. So it's a big deal for the father, what this son has done. And not just that the son says, I want to do my own thing. He says, I want to do it and I want to do it very, very far away from you. I'm completely removing myself from under the influence and the authority of you, and he's gone somewhere far away. And we know the story. He went far away. He wasted those resources. He came to a place where things really turned really bad for the son. But there is a particular phrase that we want to focus on tonight. And then the scripture says, one day, he came back to his senses. He came back to his senses. And he said to himself, why am I in this state? Why am I in the state in which I have found myself? And as he reflected about it, you know, he came to me and he says, even servants in my father's house, they are in a better state than I am here. What my father provides for servants who belong to him, they have a better play 
than me who is supposed to be a son, enjoying all the inheritance and all the blessings. Why have I found myself in this place? And because he came back to his senses, Scripture says he decided he will go back to the Father. Now, the significant thing I want to focus on in this point here is the biggest difficulty that the son had, the root of the problem, was that the son did not want to submit himself to the father's will and to the father's authority. So the real cross of the issue here is that you have a son who says, I want to do my own thing, and I don't want to do what you want me to do. And he found himself in the place where he found himself, not necessarily because there was famine in the land or because of people didn't like him or people did all those sort of those things were secondary. The primary reason why he was in that state was because he had made a choice to be cut off from his father's influence and to separate himself, physically remove himself from his father and psychologically and in the way he chose to live and in everything that relates to him, he was completely making a break free from the father. And so, when he came to a point where he suddenly decided he's going to go back to the father, for that child, it's a big deal. Because it's coming to a point where every single thing he is focused on, everything that has been what he wanted, what he was demonstrating, that was going around and he was making a U-turn about it. Because he was going from that primary thing is, I just want to do my own thing, I want nothing to do with you. To suddenly realize, actually, my life is completely and utterly desolate, doing my own thing. The only redemption for me is actually to submit myself back to my father's will and to my father's purpose. And sometimes we use the word repentance. It was that moment when it came to a place of repentance, when he understood the enormity of what he'd done, when he realized that to be cut away from his father's influence, to be cut away from the father's authority, to be cut away from everything that the father represented is the root of where he's found himself in that moment. And as I looked at that, I felt the Lord really began to challenge my heart and say, and hear me here. It's very important for you to hear me and hear my heart here. There are times in our lives that when we come to a place of pain and hurt, when we come to a place where we are far away from what the inheritance and the promises of God in our lives looks like, sometimes the reason for that now, this is not the only reason. This is not the only reason. We're just looking at this tonight. Sometimes the reason why we are in a place of destitution and depravity and, 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 and wastefulness and just not being able to experience the joy, the blessings, the prosperity, the protection, the provisions, and the, the, the purity, the purpose, the, the, the joy and the fulfillment of all that our Father has for us is because we have found ourselves in a place where we have chosen to reject the Father's authority of our lives and we have chosen we are going to do our own thing. That the root of that particular situation is we've come to a point in our lives when we have decided I'm going to do my own thing. 
And when you say, I'm going to do my own thing, you're saying to the Father, hands off. You've got no authority. You've got no rule. You've got no say in what's happening here. And what struck me was in that state, and because we have the privilege of knowing the end of the story, which is why I read it all, it felt like the father did not love his son. It felt like the father had given up on him. It felt like that was the end of it. But we know that's not. Because the day he decided to go back, Scripture says, even while he was far off, his father saw him, he had pity, he had compassion. He ran to him, he embraced him, he restored him. So he was suffering all of that, not because the father did not have the capacity he needed to bring him to restoration. No, he was there because he had removed himself from the father. He put himself in a place where even the father could not make a difference in his life. And as much as the father loved his son, as much as he cared for him, as much as it broke his heart, he had put himself in a place where even the father could not do anything. And when he came back to his senses, he decided, I must go back to my father. I must come back under my father's covering. I must come back under my father's influence. I must come back to a place where my father can do his work of restoration and redemption, where I can begin to enjoy all the provisions of my father's house. Now, the decision that son had to make was a decision of turning around and going back to the father. If it's you and I, we would have thought for him to go back to the father and be restored to the father, he has to prove himself. And even the young son was aware of that himself. Because when he was going back to the father, there was no deception in his life. He didn't think he was going to go back to the father and he would just be accepted as his son. Even he himself had decided. He was in such a desperate state that he said, even as a servant, I, will, I don't even want to be a son. Just take me as a servant. The meanest of places in my father's house is better than the best of places away from my father. It comes to that place of desperation. He just wanted it. So even when he was coming home, he wasn't coming home thinking he was going to be. He wasn't even asking his father for that. It was very clear. Just take me back. Even as an hired servant. Because I know a hired servant in your home is better than the state had been. And I had been living it. But it's restoration. And he's coming into the fullness of all the father had was not the outworking of the son. Remember that story again. All he did was walk back towards home. He didn't even get home. He was just walking back towards home. Everything else the father did. Because even the father knew to leave him to himself, he may not even make it getting home. Because he could have met the older brother on the way. Or he could have made a servant on the way and said, no, forget it. That's not going to happen. Do you know the shame you brought your father? Oh, no. You might as well just turn back now. This is not going to happen. The only thing this youngest son needed to do was to come to a place of repentance, turn around, address the primary problem, recognize that the father's heart was good, the father's love was sovereign, the father's thought was perfect, the desire of his father was his good. The best place it could be was under the authority of his father. That addressed the singular problem that he had. And once that problem 
was addressed, it was almost a set in motion something that even he could not stop. Because he attracted the father's heart and the father's love. And everything else, the father did it. The father didn't say, okay, go there. Let me see how much you read your Bible or how much you pray or how much you walk in the church. Let me see how many services you're there and how many, how many home groups you've attended. Maybe after one year, if you've really proven that you're good enough, then I might consider taking you back. No. Instantly, as the father came to him, it clothed him. It put the ring of authority on his hands. It put the sandals. What he thought was impossible, what he thought he'd lost and he would never get to. The state he thought, no, 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 that is gone. I will never get there. The father restored him back. And so in this process of restoration, coming into our full inheritance in Christ and living out the promises of God for us, God is not expecting us to end up by the works of, the works of what we do. It is the Father to do that for us and in us. But the only thing the Father cannot do for us is that place of willfully and willingly submitting ourselves back to Him. Because what the Father will not do is He will not contest with us. Our obedience to Him has to be spontaneous and willingly. Our submission to Him must be something that comes from our heart. And where we recognize our father's heart, where we recognize what our father is about, and we willingly submit ourselves to that. And when we come to that place of repentance and, and, and submission to him, he will come and bring restoration. That may work out in different process for different people, depending on what they're dealing with. And for that son, he didn't suddenly mean that everything was unkidori. There was still a process, but the father had put a marker and a seal upon his life that gave him an assurance that you will make it. Because the first thing the father did was to bring him into a position of sonship. And with the authority and everything the father did, even anybody else who saw him knew and recognized immediately that this is a son. Because in that culture, all the significant steps the father did was saying it loud and clear to everybody. This is a son. He's not a servant. He's got the seal. He's got the honor. And, and we are celebrating. We're rejoicing. He was not just saying it to the son. He was announcing it to everyone. That this guy was dead. He's alive. This is a son. He was not just acknowledging it to him in privacy. He was declaring it openly and making it very clear. This is what I'm going to do. And I think that's a real important point for us to ponder on. I'm just going to invite Jackie to share a brief testimony, just to kind of press this home, and then we'll, we'll kind of round up and begin to talk about that. Thank you. Uh, well, I became a Christian in... 1988, long time ago, um, and I struggled. I struggled a lot. I was a very miserable Christian. Um, I felt, where was this joy that people were talking about? I had no joy. Um, I had no real relationship with God, even though I thought I had made that decision. 
Um, and this went on for several years. Now, if someone had said to me, do you want to be different? Do you want your relationship with God to be different? I'd have said, of course I do. In fact, I'd have been quite offended that anyone would even ask that question. But this just went on, regardless of what I did, all the things I tried to do, like read my Bible and you know pray and all those things. Um, and then I just got more and more unhappy to the point where I was really quite desperate. It was really like, well, maybe I should just turn away from it all and leave it behind. And then I remember, I, I remember where I was at this point where I thought, okay, God, I want to be different. I want my relationship with you to be different. And I want it, whatever the cost. And as I said those words, I realized that was a really serious prayer that I just prayed. And I knew that I meant it, and I knew that God heard it. From then on, things did start to change. God did show me things, and it it took a little while, but uh, eventually um, there was a breakthrough. Yeah, there was a breakthrough. (laughs) Yeah, and here I am. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bless you. What I think is really important in what Jackie says is, and, and hear me, and I've really been praying about this, and I really, really trust the Lord will um, help you to hear the sensitivity and the, uh, and the humility with which I bring this challenge to us tonight. This is not coming from a father who wants to condemn you a father who wants to judge you, a father who's not bothered about you, who's just waiting to see you make a mistake and then, and you get it. No, this is not about condemnation or judgment. This is about the heart of a father who desperately longs to bring you into the fullness of what he's prepared for you, who wants to see you restored, who wants to see you enjoy the fruit of your relationship as a son. The father who wants to live out his life. Who wants you to be an expression of who he is. Who wants you to be a reflection of your new nature in Christ Jesus. This is the work of a father who wants to put a seal upon your heart, put a seal upon your life, and begin to bring out all the beautiful prophetic glorious promises that he has ordained for you in Christ Jesus. It's work that he's already done. He's already paid the price. He has paid the price. He has made that sacrifice to see you released from the oppression of the enemy, to see you come from a place of desperation and hopelessness, to see you come into a place where you know the protection and the the covering of your heavenly father. This where this is coming from. But sometimes we're in a place where we've just decided I'm going to do my own thing. 
And sometimes we don't say that. But that's the state of our heart. And as much as it breaks his heart, it watches us, it looks at us, and it weeps over us. But that state is a state that cuts us off from the grace of God. It's a state where it looks like we're beyond redemption. Not because we're beyond redemption, but just because we have decided you're not welcome here. You're not allowed to come into this place. You're not allowed to do what you can do. I have not given you permission to put your finger upon my life. I am not giving you permission to see my seed fall to the ground and die so that I will no longer abide alone, but I will bring forth fruitfulness. I am not giving you permission to bring the seers and to bring the axe onto the root and come to the root cause of my difficulties so that you can cut it down and there can be a grafting back into your family and I come into the fruitfulness that you've promised for me. Hear me, I'm not saying this is the reason for everything we're saying. But there are certain times in our lives and certain states in our lives and certain places we find ourselves that we are not delivered, not because his hand is shortened to save, or because we've kind of said, no, no way. The scripture says concerning Jesus, it says, not my will. You know, it says, I wish you would take this cup over me and I don't have to go through this. It says, but nevertheless, not my will, but let your will be done. And as difficult, as challenging as that was, but because he submitted to the will of the Father, the Bible says the angels came and strengthened him. The Father did it. He couldn't do it in himself. He couldn't do it in his strength. Paul says, many times I cried to him, and I says, I wish you would take this from me. But he says, my grace is sufficient for you. Because he was still in the place of submission to the will of the Father. That is different from when we willingly cut ourselves off from the Father's influence in our life. I am not talking about sin of omission here. This is about commission. There is a decision that we have made that God, everything but that one. You know, in this room of my life, these three rooms, yeah, you can come into it. But this room, no, 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 you're not getting there. Because I'm going to do what I want to do in this situation here. But what that means is that we cut ourselves off from the opportunity for the Father to come around you and speak into that situation, turn it around, and literally close you, put the ring upon your hands, put the sandals upon your feet, declare celebration over you, and set you on the path for recovery and redemption. I'm not saying it's always instantaneous, but it sets it apart. Sometimes we want to mortify the flesh, but Scripture says you mortify the flesh by the Spirit, not by the flesh. You can do it. It's only Him who can do it by His Spirit in you. So no matter how much effort you put into it, it's not going to work. But when you submit to Him by His Spirit, He does the work in you. That's why Scripture says, it is God who is at work in us. It is Him who is at work in us. It is God who is at work in us, causing us to will and to do of His pleasure. It is God who is at work. We are not working. He hasn't called us to work. He's called us to submit to His authority, to His Lordship, so that He can do His work in us by Spirit, by 
my spirit. It is God who is at work in us. And sometimes as believers, we resist the work of the spirit in our lives. And in that place, we cut ourselves off from the influence and from the grace of what God wants to do. Our time is fast, man. We need to pray tonight. I trust that the Lord has given you just a, a picture of what I'm kind of trying to speak to our hearts tonight. I'm really praying that the Holy Spirit himself will communicate this truth to us in a way better than I will ever do. But there are certain things, there are certain depth and intimacy with God that we will never enter into until we come to a place of complete and utter submission to our Father's will and to his purpose for our lives. And he breaks his heart when he sees us struggling and refusing to do that. Because he loves us, he wants to restore us, but we just make it impossible. So tonight is about thinking about that. If that's where you are, I want you to speak to God tonight. Like Jackie shared, I want you to get desperate in your heart tonight. And say, Lord, actually, this is no place to be. Because even servants in my father's house are better than where I am right now. But Lord, I'm willing to just lay it all down. Brethren, it is God who is at work in us. I'm not saying work harder, read harder, try and impress people more. Salmon, that's not what we're talking about tonight. It is God who is at work within us. Let God do what only he can do in our lives. All he asks of us is that we come back to our senses and we make our way back home. And I can guarantee you, halfway, even before you get home, the Father is running. His love is running after you. Your shame is undone. In his presence, the past no longer holds you bound. It doesn't matter what the past is. It no longer holds you bound. It's broken, it's released because of his Father's heart. So as we reflect and think about that, Tyre, will you come and just lead us in a song just to prepare our heart? Let's listen to the song as we begin to pray and speak to God. It's, it's a time for everybody to do an individual walk and business with God on our home. Come and make my heart your home. Come and be Search me through and through till my heart becomes a home for you. Till my heart becomes a home for you. Come and make our hearts your Search us through and through 
till our hearts become a home for you till our hearts become a home for you a home for you tonight Lord Lord we ask that you come Lord as we prayed at the beginning of this meeting your presence is what our hearts longs for Lord to be overcome by your presence Lord to be overcome by your presence in your presence we're complete Lord Outside of your presence, we're lost, Lord. But in your presence, our heart becomes free. Our shame becomes undone. In your presence, Lord. Whatever has kept us from your presence, Lord, tonight. Lord, bring us back to our senses. Whatever the lies of the enemy that has robbed us of your presence, of the intimacy of your spirit. Whatever the pain, whatever the, the justification of how we have found ourselves cut off away from you, Lord, will you let all that fall away in the context of the power of your presence amongst us tonight, Lord? Lord, bring us to our senses, Lord. Lord, such your light. Help us to see areas where we've shut you out. Areas where we have said, I'm just going to do my own thing. You've got no, I'm just going to do my own thing. Lord, let the walls come down. Let the mask come off tonight, Lord. Spirit of the living God, will you shine your light upon our hearts tonight? In your loving, gentle, sensitive way, will you come alongside us? Will you speak the voice of love and the tenderness of our Father's heart? Will you cause us to hear the tenderness in your voice, the warmth of your embrace, the power of the voice of love, silencing the voice of the accuser and the voice of the enemy and everything that tells us that it's, it don't bother, it's just not possible. Don't go back home. That's, that's just Norway. This is not going to end well. It's, 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 just, it's just no brainer. Just continue to struggle and do what you want. Lord, give us courage to get up tonight and to make our way back home, Lord. Give us courage tonight to see. Give us a fresh revelation of our Father's provision and heart for us. 
and say, he's got better things for me than where I am. And he can make that difference. If the band will come up as we, as we close, as we, we continue to pray, if, if anybody would like some prayer or if there's anything on your heart that you would like prayer for, we're just going to quickly in the next few minutes with God just um, encourage you to come for. As I've encouraged us to just do business on our own, but if you, if you feel maybe you need somebody to pray with you or you think, I, I want to speak to somebody about what this is, or oh, I, I, I think I need somebody to speak into this, please, you know, there's going to be the ministry team here who's going to be able to help and support us with that. But let's, let's just continue to respond and just continue to commune with the Lord in our heart. But if that's you and you need support in this, please feel free to come. Ministry team, if we just uh, make ourselves available and, and we'll just spend the next couple of minutes just pressing into this and see what God has for us.